Hey, what's up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of Rock My Life, the show that brings together LGBTQ plus athletes to share their experiences of being gay in sport. My name's Christian John, and this is Rock My Life. What's up, rockers, and welcome back to another episode of Rock My Life. This week, I have the honour of speaking to Mr. Tom Bird-Jones, a fellow Manchester Village Spartan player and part of the Spartan Touch leadership team. He bravely shares his story of coming out and the difficulties with growing up, being part of a Welsh rugby-loving family, but not feeling accepted in the local teams, a feeling we all know really well. But with his supportive family and close friends, Tom flourishes with his skills of sewing to the point where he becomes a local hero by providing the Manchester NHS staff with hundreds of scrub sets to help with the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, this week has been glorious sunshine in the UK, which makes a change from all the thunder and lightning storms we've had recently. But don't get me wrong, I do love a good thunder and lightning show. There's just something so powerfully peaceful about them. And the sound of the rain afterwards is nice and calming. I mean, I've actually used sound apps recently to help sleep better. And I love the tropical rainforest storm ones. But anyway, we are starting to ease lockdown more and more to the 4th of July when bars and restaurants can open as normal, which is a relief. But it does make me wonder if something worse will happen. You know, like the Independence Day films when the aliens attack on the 4th of July. I'm sure it won't. But if they did, it would probably just finish me off. But yet still, there are no signs of gyms opening, which is really, really annoying me. And if you've listened to any of the shows recently, it's not just the fitness I miss. It's the mental well-being I get from it, a way of de-stressing myself. And yes, I have some equipment at home, but it's not the same, as I'm sure you all agree. But what annoys me is that public transport is still going. You can get on a plane to Spain, but they won't open gyms. Also, they mentioned leisure centres opening, but if you can't go to the pool or the gym, then what else is there? However, all is not so bad, as my favourite hairdresser texted me yesterday to tell me that I am booked in on the 5th of July. Thank the Lord I can sort this hair out. I haven't done a bad job of clipping it myself, but I much prefer her doing it properly. Now, like I said earlier, my guest today is Tom Bird-Jones, who has worked really hard recently, giving up his time and effort to make scrubs for the NHS, which is amazing, and his sewing skills alone are fantastic. I can't sew to save my life, and the thought of going near a sewing machine terrifies me, especially after myself and my best friend Andy spent hours sewing together a 20-metre pride flag for the Manchester Village Spartans to carry in the Manchester Pride Parade. Now, if that doesn't put you off, I don't know what will. But it's been so amazing seeing so many of you doing something to support the NHS, who I am sure really appreciate it, from baking and cooking to entertaining shows and Zoom quizzes to help raise money for them. It's really shown what the UK can really do to help each other. Now, without further ado, I am honoured to welcome Mr. Tom Bird-Jones. So, Tom, for those who don't know you, would you like to introduce yourself? So my name is Tom Bird-Jones. I'm originally from Shropshire, which is on the border between England and Wales. I'm 28 years old and I'm a fashion designer. So like in the other podcasts, I'd like to start off by asking you about when you started to come out. Now, I know we've spoken before about that it wasn't really a ultimate day or yeah. an event, but can you describe the sort of stages that you were going through when you were younger to the point where you decided that you were gay? So I think... 
the whole like being gay and like as a younger child you don't really know like i think you know most people that are in our position that you don't really know if it's right if it's wrong and like you kind of start to see things on tv or you read about things and you think oh maybe you know i'm not that different i guess for me it was more of a, a transition from having conversations with my friends just in like passing being like oh that's like an a, attractive person or that person's good looking and like they, they didn't really bat an eyelid as such i think i've got good friends when it comes to that respect and the same with my family where i um used to play with like barbie dolls used to like dress up with my cousins so i think they kind of knew before i did and so growing up in school i think that was when i was like right okay someone's not right everyone in like year nine and stuff that's when i kind of thought right i'm i think i am gay and then just the transition from that into college my course being fashion it was kind of just assumed that i was gay so nobody really asked any questions and then when people did ask like oh by the way like are you gay and, I, and then i was like uh yeah and it was just kind of that was just how it was so i never really had to come out as such and with my parents um they they obviously knew, and like when we speak about it now, they they've always said that they they know they know, and it was one of those things that I never really had to say. By the way, I'm gay. It was more of they were just waiting for me to be comfortable enough to say it to them. So when I had my first date with like a guy, I just like, oh man, by the way, I'm going to go on a date with this guy, and it's this, that, and the other, and we had a bit of a chat, and she was like, okay, well, good luck, and we love you, and we'll we'll speak to you when you get back, and that was pretty much it. So you were talking about you were playing with Barbie dolls and, and doing like fancy dress and things like that. What was it like with your siblings? Were they just the same as your parents or were there any issues there? With my, so I've got three brothers, two stepsisters and my parents split up when I was quite, at, um, quite a young age. I think I was maybe like three or four. And so my brothers, we were very much like, we'd go out play in the dirt, this kind of stuff. And then when we had, when our stepsisters came, it was more of like a, oh, like, we can make like flower crowns and stuff like that. So it wasn't really, I guess it was only really when I went to high school when like people would say stuff or like comment to my brother, like he was quite popular in school. So when his younger brother came along, he was like fat, spotty, like obviously gay, like super camp. They were just like, oh Ben, is your brother gay? And he was like, no, like leave him alone. And like, so he would always stick up for me and he always has them to this day. If anyone ever says anything, he's always like, oh, they're so stupid or they're so like narrow-minded and stuff. And again, like he obviously knew way before I did because he was older than me and like we would go through the same, same kind of like, you know, we'd go to like sports events and stuff and he'd be way more into it than I would. And just, he obviously knew way before I did. So it was, again, it was one of those where he knew and he must have had a conversation with my parents and stuff because he was so cool about it when I did eventually come out and stuff. And he's been supportive. We go out to Canal Street and stuff together. And so that was quite good. I guess my younger brother just didn't really have a choice. He was just like, okay, this is how it is, and just went along with it. And so with your family life, did you spend a lot of time with it? Was that your real brother or stepbrother? Yeah, so we, the, my two, so my eldest brother is my real brother, and same with my youngest brother, uh, the one below me, but then I've got another younger brother who's 14 with my stepdad and mum. And so it's kind of just been, it's been us three because we're quite similar in ages where we would all just like thick as thieves and stuff and we'd like fight and stuff and just do like brotherly things. So I guess maybe that is that connection of we are, you know, we've got the same mum and dad. So everything is just a bit more, we have to look out for each other. And did it ever feel weird with you being the only gay out of the, because is it just boys in your family? Yeah, so um, I've got 11 cousins and 
it's me and my two brothers are the only boys and then the rest of them are girls. So it wasn't necessarily weird. It was more of a, like a different side, I guess, you know, with the gays, they have like the stereotype, like a bit more feminine. So I think I would be naturally just a bit more feminine towards when it was like me and all my cousins, we would dress up as like Snow White and like go shopping. And like when I was like eight or nine, for example, and my brothers would be like, we're not going to do that. So it's kind of a bit more like had to kind of like butch up a bit with them. Growing up, there was always when I remember watching Coronation Street and I think one of the characters was like was gay and he was like kissing somebody and like my brother was like, oh, and like that was the only kind of time that I was like, oh, maybe like people are going to find this a bit weird that if I do come out as gay. But that's really the only kind of comment I've had. And then in school, obviously, like I got, I think quite most gay people get the odd comment here and there, but you just kind of brush it off. And I had really good friends where they would stick up for me and it never really felt like I was in the wrong and so you mentioned there where you said that some a lot of people who were gay in school yeah. might have the odd word thrown at them. Did you have any cases of homophobia while you were in school? Um, I think there was a couple of people that kind of latched onto the idea that like, oh, Tom's gay, like we're going to like, you know, call him names and this, that and the other, which I just kind of put it down to. It's just like school kids. And obviously now that I've grown up and stuff, I do realise that people were not necessarily bullying because it wasn't necessarily constant and all the time. It was just like the odd comment here and there. But I think in school, I gave as good as I got. So if somebody was going to come for me, I would I'd drag them just as hard. So I was prepared. And would you say that's kind of a, a positive attitude to have where you would kind of give as, as much as you got? Or do you think that perhaps there should have been a bit more of a support network in your school? I mean, I don't think everyone's in the, you know, give as good as they get. For example, if somebody's given them like homophobic comments or saying this, that and the other, it's quite difficult, I find, to either retaliate with, you know, that quick, quick humour and kind of to come back at them with something that they're insecure about necessarily. Or, But then again, at that age, I didn't necessarily want to come out as gay. So I didn't, I wouldn't real, really feel comfortable going to like my teachers and being like, oh, by the way, like I'm gay and this person's saying this. So it's one of those battles where I felt like you just had to fight on your own. And you could obviously like tell your friends and stuff and they would help fight your corners but they're not always going to be there for you so I felt for me a lot of that was kind of was kind of exploring who I was but then also like realizing that not everyone's going to agree to it so I either have to stand my grind and fight for what I think and what I believe in or just let them just carry on and just get away with it basically and was it a large school where there might have been some other people who were going through the same situation as you or might have already come out? Or was it quite a small school, so there wasn't that many? Um, so my school was in Wales and there wasn't that many people at all. I think we had like 900 in the whole of my high school. There was a couple, I think there was maybe one guy that was like out and he was like super feminine, super camp. So that was a bit of a struggle. But then since learning, like now that I've left and come to Manchester and I speak to like people that, I went to school with there's quite a few people that have come out as gay and like cross-dressing or like transgender and stuff and it's like which is really refreshing because I kind of felt alone in schools like oh no one else is going through this or no one else is this but it actually turns out that there are quite a few people that go through it maybe they're just better at hiding it than others but I felt I kind of I guess I did feel alone in school but then you now like looking back I kind of feel everybody has their little problems and things that they worry about and looking back, there was a lot more people than I ever thought. And would you say, looking back in terms of what your attitude and your experience was at school, and then thinking about what you know now, 
do you think if you could put yourself back into that position, would you find it easier to come out to everybody? Or do you think you would still stay pretty anonymous in terms of your sexuality? That's a really good question. Um, I think I wouldn't necessarily want to go back because I just think that's like a part that's just done now. And it's like, there are a million things I would do differently and a million things I would and wouldn't do. But I remember quite vividly, there was a girl in my art class and she was like, oh, it's fine if you are gay, Tom. Like, we're, we're all, we'll all be here for you and like we'll all be your friend and stuff. And even then I was like, no, I'm not gay. But like deep down, I knew I obviously was. I just wasn't ready to come out. And I think it was that having a target on your back. Like most of my friends in school were girls anyway. So things like PE, when we had to get changed for like rugby and stuff, I would worry that like all the boys would be like, oh, like Tom's gay, he's looking at us and blah, blah, blah. So I don't think I would like to go back, but I would like to be, I would, if I was to ever go back, I would like to kind of be that person that was like, oh, you know what? I don't care. Like he owns his sexuality, but realistically, I don't think I would go back. So you mentioned then that you were doing rugby. So I want to ask, what was your perception of sport growing up? Did you play lots of sport or was it just the PE lessons that you joined in with? So I did quite a few like middle class kind of sports. So like rugby, skiing, badminton, tennis, kind of like outside of school. And when it came to school, because it was a Welsh school, it was like rugby, rugby, rugby. You have to play rugby. And I wasn't necessarily like an aggressive kind of child. And like when the ball came, I was like, oh, don't want to get tackled. Don't want to get hurt. And so I'd always kind of thought like, oh, rugby's definitely not for me. It's like a super manly, like masculine sport. And I'm this like gay person that doesn't necessarily want to get involved. And But then... Growing up, obviously, like now I do play rugby and I actually really do enjoy it. And what was it about, because obviously Wales is renowned for being very rugby orientated. When you were going through those changes of your sexuality and playing the sport, were you aware that people might treat you differently or did you just want to get out of the situation quickly? No, I definitely thought like people would treat me differently. Like people would say comments and stuff on the pitch where I would just like ignore them and stuff. And I wasn't a good player at all because I didn't want to be there. So I didn't enjoy it. And I was just like, oh, for God's sake, like as if I've got to do this this rugby lesson for like a whole hour and however long it was. And so I just think it was one of those situations where I just wanted it, wanted it to be over. And then later on in life, realized actually in the right setting with the right people, it's a really good sport and I really do enjoy it. And we'll come on to the um, the rugby that you do now in a moment. But I know you mentioned that you do, you did tennis and skiing. Did you appreciate that more? Yeah, definitely. I think because it was more about there were more individual kind of sports where I could be judged on my talent, not because I, you know, I was like a closeted gay person in a, in a big team. Like skiing is very much a solo sport. Tennis, badminton, it's kind of you against somebody else. I saw that felt a lot more natural to me to kind of be, if I was good, I was good because if I was good, not because I was part of a team. Would you say generally, and you can... This can just be your own opinion. It doesn't matter whether you think it's stereotyping or not. Would you say that it's easier to be gay in a sport that is not a team sport rather than being in a team? Uh, that is a good question. I think I've, I'm quite on the fence with it, to be honest, because I think looking back, it's much easier to be uh, an individual person to be gay because then all you have to answer to is yourself. Like You don't have to like comments and stuff if you drop the ball or like, oh, you you know, faggot drop the ball or whatever like on a typical rugby pitch like it's where it's proper lads 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 but if it's like an individual sport it's more you can just own the fact that yeah i'm a gay player you know you don't have to answer to anyone if anyone gives you any stick and stuff it's like a fan or like a passerby who doesn't really matter but when it's your own teammates 
and you kind of, you know, you're trying your best to play rugby with these guys that don't really respect you. They kind of don't understand you. And I feel that's where it's a bit like, oh, well, it's easier to be gay in an individual sport rather than, than in a team sport. But then, you know, joining the Spartans, I've realised that you can build such a good bond and relationship with these people that they've got your back no matter what. And you don't get that with individual sport. That's really good because I, I, a lot of people that I've asked have uh, had mixed comments about it. Some people have said they've had positive experiences playing rugby from a young age and some like yourself have, have had not so positive and resented the sport because of its sort of macho-ness, like you said. Um, so when you left high school, did you then go on to university? What was your next step? So I went uh, when I finished high school, I just wanted to kind of just get away from the whole school system. But then I realised that for the kind of the career that I wanted I didn't really necessarily know that I wanted to do fashion that was kind of one of those things that was like went along with being gay so I didn't come out um necessarily in high school but I knew that I wanted to do fashion but I thought right if I come out and say I want to do fashion everyone's going to know that I'm gay so I was like right what else can I do so I stayed on at sixth form did business studies critical thinking biology all the kind of academics um subjects which I really was not good at at all and then I went so I quit that after a year because I was really not good at that and worked at a country club and spa. And then I saw all these people getting married and all these wedding dresses. And I was like, I can do that. I can draw this. I can do that. And so I finally plucked up the courage to tell my parents I was going to fashion school. And they were just like, yeah, that's fine. Like, we'd, we'd love for you to, to kind of do that and follow your dreams. And I was like, oh, if I'd have come out sooner, if I'd have told them earlier, I could have been on that route a lot quicker than what I am now. So I kind of regret not necessarily like staying true to myself and coming out quicker. But then I guess everything happens for a reason. And I think it has kind of had a knock-on effect. Like I'm a bit more mature now as to when I started uni. And when you were coming out to your parents, I know you mentioned that you told your mum that you were going on a date with a guy and she seemed pretty passive about it. Um, In terms of your other parents, was there some, was it maybe your dad or another part of your family that you were worried about? Yeah, so I was more nervous, I think, for my dad because, you know, he played rugby and stuff. He's quite macho. He's very, like, he's, he can build a house, like, he does with all the electrics. He's very much like a hands-on kind of person. And so I kind of, like, I was like, okay, well, he's going to want me to be, you know, like a builder or so kind of like a labourer or something like that. And so when I eventually did, like, kind of pluck up the courage, it was actually a really nice, like, it was a really nice feeling because then he would speak about, like he went to art school and stuff and he did ceramics and he would say, oh, like I used to have this friend and he was gay. He would make all these like crazy outfits and these trousers and stuff. So it's kind of a connection that I never really knew that I had with my dad because I'd never like told him like, oh, I wanted to go to, you know, fashion college and I'm, I'm gay. And he's just like, oh, it's fine. I've had like friends that are gay and done this. I've been to Canal Street and I was like, whoa, like I'd never thought my dad was like that at all because I've never opened up about that kind of stuff with him before. And that's really positive because a lot of people that have said, They've all said that coming out to their dad was a difficult one. And I guess for you, for you with a sort of maybe the stigma or maybe the stereotype of what Welsh families are like, and you said that they're very much into rugby and things, I can imagine it must have been a lot of pressure to be different in that situation. And a lot of people always say that they worry about telling their dad. Um, and they, they do say that they came out to their mum first, just kind of test the waters and then play it from there. But... I have to say a lot of people have had positive reactions, maybe not straight away, but certainly eventually with their both their parents. So it's really good that you've had a similar situation. And it's great that 
extra bond with your dad now. So moving on a little bit, um, you went to do your fashion studies. And when did you... So I moved to Manchester. It was 2013 for my first year of uni. And what was your initial reaction moving from uh, Wales to Manchester? It was a complete shock. Like we... um, just growing up in general, like I didn't, there was like one person of color in my primary school and like, I didn't see any like homeless people or anything like that. Even when I went to college and stuff, it wasn't necessarily something I would see on the regular. And then coming to Manchester, it completely opened my eyes. It was like a lot more of like the nitty gritty side that I kind of didn't necessarily have much um, experience with. So coming to Manchester completely opened my eyes. I think one of the first places I went to was Canal Street with one of the girls from my course and I think I remember I saw, I think it was like um, one of the drag queens and she had like said something. And I was like, oh my God, like it's an actual drag queen. And I just thought it was, it was, it was like Disney World. It was just absolutely mental. But it's one of those experiences like where I wish I could just go back and like experience coming to Canal Street for the first time and seeing everything in its glory. And did you choose Manchester just for the course or was there an element that you already knew about Manchester, like for your dad saying about Canal So Street? all my original choices were to be in London and I came up to Manchester with my friend to take it to an open day because I could drive. So we came along, went to the open day, the, I fell in love with the university and the campus. And then the more I kind of researched and like I'd watched um, Queer as Folk, for example, so I was like, oh, so they've got a gay scene and stuff, maybe this will be like a bit of an experience for me to, if I went to Manchester, I've got friends that are already going to come here anyway. So, and then on the way back up, the more we were talking about it, the more I was like, you know what, I think this is the place for me. So now I want to talk about your experience with joining the Manchester Village Spartans. So can you share your experience of how you were introduced to the team and what it was like when you first came? So I'd, I think I was at some kind of like freshers party or like a first year party somewhere. And one of my friends was speaking to a guy who was in the Village Spartans, Mark Jones, and they were talking about rugby and they kind of like stayed in touch and stuff. And when he went back to America, me and Mark kind of just stayed friends and we'd go out every now and again. And it wasn't until my third year, and I, I was on placement, so it wasn't until my third year where Mark was like, you should definitely come to rugby and stuff. Like, it'll be really good. And I gave it a go. And it was just one of the, I was super, super, super nervous. So I got one of my friends to come along with me. And we both went and it was super cold, super wet, super windy. And everyone was like, we, I thought everyone was like an absolute pro at rugby. And I was like, well, I've played before, but not, not necessarily loads. And like the first training session, it was just so much fun. I just felt like everybody got me or like we were playing rugby, but at the same time, someone was like doing a death drop or like cracking a, a gay joke here and there. And I was like, this is actually really, really fun. And then from that point, I kind of just, just stuck with it. And it's been like four and a half years now, I think roughly. Yeah, and it's great to hear that you've had a positive reaction to it and um, that you felt really welcome. Because I think that's the main thing that people mention when they join an RGR team who may have had a negative experience of playing rugby when they were younger, but they've always said that it's such a relief when they come to these training groups that everybody's in the same situation, that it's a lot more relaxed, that none of that sort of Neanderthal aggression towards each other or anything like that. So I want to talk a bit because I know that um, as well as doing the union, you also do touch in the Spartans. Can you explain to people might maybe not quite sure the difference between touch and union and um, also why you decided to choose to do touch? So touch came about from one of our old players that was too injured to do union. And 
kind of helped him along and like asking questions and stuff. And he was like, oh, I'm going to start up this touch team. Like, because with, uh, with the Spartans, we do a, we used to do like a summer kind of summer camp to do with touch because we would go to touch my brown which is another igr tournament that we go to and so it was transitioning that from just being a summer thing to an all-year thing and so the more i kind of enjoyed playing touch then i was like, actually this is actually really good i'm going to take it a bit more seriously so i'll do it throughout the whole year and with touch it's a lot less um a lot less aggressive i'd say it's more it's literally just a touch and that's all you have to do so it's kind of it is a lot less contact and for me i kind of enjoy it more so than union because i kind of there's six people on the pitch and when i play union as a forward i'm quite often like taking the ball in it gets a bit aggressive and it's a bit whereas touch i can kind of just make the touch run back and it's a lot more physical for me i think that's one of the main draws that i play touch and some people have said um that they on the other podcast that they've started doing the touch uh through the o2 app is that something that you've gone into as well or yeah so with the spartans? spartans touch club we um we have now got uh, the app system where you can check in with with the o2 apps and you can get all these points and prizes and um last year i was part of a committee to kind of grow igr touch um throughout the whole country and we would like take on different regions and that was super fun we got to go to different pride events and promote touch and i think it opened up for, especially for the spartans and for me as well it's opened up kind of like the floodgates for everybody who's gay. You don't have to be a gay man because in the Spartans, obviously we have, it's a, a male rugby team, but with touch, we have women as well. And it was a complete different element and not everyone's gay. And it's just, it's just nice that everybody comes together just to play and also be ourselves. And people are like Yas Queen on the side. And it's a lot more, it's a lot more involvement and it kind of, we experience a lot more different players necessarily than we would at just for union, for example. One of the things that keeps coming up, um, especially with union rugby, is that it doesn't really matter like what background you have, but also what uh, fitness level you have. You can be, regardless of your size, your height, uh, your fitness, it doesn't matter because you will learn the skills. Is that I the think with touch, you have to have an element of fitness as it's a lot of running around. You have to, every time your teammate makes a touch, the whole team has to get back five metres and they've increased that to like seven now. So it's a lot about physicalities. However, you know, you can also come along and and just train. It depends what kind of competitive level you're at. We've got a lot of players that aren't necessarily at the peak of their fitness and they still have fun and enjoy it. You just kind of sub off a lot more. If you kind of if you're getting a bit tired and stuff, you just sub off and it's kind of you kind of you can go at your own pace. But let's say for somebody who has a bit of fitness but um wants to kind of get into touch, would you say that it the progress that you find in your own fitness is evident yeah definitely and it's it's kind of the fitness that you don't really know that you're doing so like we've been running around for like an hour and a half and you think bloody hell i'm absolutely knackered and you think well it doesn't feel like you've been running around on a rugby pitch for you know an hour and a half and it's that um it's one of those as well once you kind of pick up the skills you can find easy ways to do it so there's like certain moves and stuff and you think oh that's like a bit tedious but once you know how to do it well you can then like cut out like three or four like steps and stuff and you can do it just as equally as quick but as your skills get better, you don't have to have to exert as much energy to do it. And one of the other things that keeps coming up is about the difference between playing IGR teams and non-IGR teams. And when I say non-IGR teams, I mean teams that might not necessarily represent themselves as gay and inclusive. Um, but I know that we've touched, obviously, the, the spectrum of people that are part of your team is a lot wider than the typical gay and inclusive rugby union teams. 
that when you play against other teams, do you necessarily have a preference whether you go against a IGR touch team or a non-IGR touch team? I think for me, when it comes to Union, I much prefer playing an IGR team as I just, I don't know, there's something about, it just feels more comfortable. There's more like camaraderie. And then after it, everyone has like a bit of a drink and like a party. And it's a lot more of a sense of like um, of a community and a bit more kind of a, a niche, I guess. And I've also played against teams that are, you know, that are straight and some teams that you get that are absolutely amazing. They'll be like, oh, well done, lads. You know, you put up a really good fight and this, that and the other. But then on the other hand, you can get, you can go to some teams and they're a bit like, oh, the gays are like, and so you kind of, you kind of get a, a, a mixture. And with the touch, we, I don't think we've only ever played, I think a couple of games against other IGR teams and that's been fine. But most of the teams that we play, so we play in a league, um, for the North West and everyone's just fine. Like everyone, nobody really bats an eyelid. I think if anything, we come with our, you know, our big, um, our vests on with our bar pop sponsors and stuff. And everyone knows like, Oh, like the Spartans are here and it's a lot more. It's, I don't really think it's much of a bigger deal. I want to move on a little bit. Um, and tell me your, Fondest memory of being with the Spartans? Oh, that's a good one. I've got, I've got so many. Um, I think the fondest one for me was last year when we won uh, in Dublin. It was one of those uh, moments where we kind of we'd been training, we'd been playing games and stuff, and we'd uh, quite a few games we would lose like by like quite big numbers. It was wet, and we were like, oh, for God's sake, like what is the point of doing this if all we're doing is losing every single time? And then when it came to Dublin, we realised, you know, this is the goal that we want to have. And we kind of gelled together more as a team. And it was just that whole, the whole experience from the moment that we landed, it was just one team, one dream. And everybody was on the same page and everybody was having fun. It was, it was a lot of fun to play rather than it being like a slog. Like, right, we've got this game, right, next, got another game. And when we started to, to win these games, everyone was a bit more like, oh my God, like we could do this and stuff. And everyone was like bigging each other up. And I think for me, that was the fondest moment. And then when we went and won it and... That was just the icing on top of the cake. Brilliant. And uh, lots of people have always said that like Bingham and Union uh, tours are one of their fondest memories. And it's great to see every year that there's more and more teams coming through. And it's a shame that Bingham this year has been postponed. But yeah. we do have the Union Cup next year. So fingers crossed. Is that yeah, I definitely think that's... I always say after with? every tournament, like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to do it again because I just can't be really be bothered. I've got other stuff to do. But then when the other tournament comes around, I'm like, you know what? It's been so much fun the last two or three years. I'm going to do it again, and especially with it being in Birmingham. It's a lot more closer to home. And I think it'll just be great just to be in that atmosphere again in that team sport. And hopefully we can we can get some wins. So thinking about your whole experience being with the Spartans and the IGR and touch and things like that, would you say that it has made an impact on your life? 100%. So, I remember speaking much? to Dean B, who was our old chairman, and he was like, oh, how are you finding it? And I was like, yeah, like, it's good fun. Like, it's nice to meet all these people and stuff. And he, and he was like, the, being in the Spartans will literally change your life. And I was like, all right, okay, whatever. And the more and more people I talk to about it, they've been like, oh, yeah, the Spartans changed my life. Like um, Gareth Longley, our chairman, and his partner Chucky, Simon. So whenever like I bump into him or like we were, we're on nights out and stuff, and he's like, "I told you, I told you, the Spartans would change your life." And I've just met so many, so many friends, so many incredible people, experiences, and it's one of those things where now when I re recruit people, say through like nights out or like friends of friends, I'm like, honestly, it will change your life, and they're like, "All right, okay." And so it's kind of nice to pass that message on that it does actually impact your life a lot more than than you would initially think. 
And at the moment, a lot of teams are going through the AGM process where they start to select their committee people for the next season. Um, obviously, you've been on the committee uh, for the touch. Uh, would you like to share your yeah, I think the committee, it's kind there? of like, it's like when you go to Disneyland, you absolutely love Disneyland. But when you have to work there, it's a bit like, oh, like this is how it actually happens. And no one really thinks about how it functions. And kind of not that it takes the magic away from it, because there's a lot of hard work and effort that goes into it. It's more of like, I used to just be a player that would just show up and be like, okay, see ya. Yeah, I don't really think about the bigger picture. But now being on the committee, you kind of realize that there's a lot of thought process and kind of actions and things that you have to take in order to get, you know, the team that we have and like the the sponsors that we have, for example, and things like that. There's a lot of hard work that goes into it. And I think it makes me appreciate it a lot more. And so a lot of people have mentioned about the need for an, an IGR team like the Spartans and like so many other teams around the country and even the world. Would you say that there is still a need for gain-inclusive teams such as the Spartans? For me, I think 100%. Like, I would never have come back to rugby if it was for, you know, like a, a straight team, for example. Not just because I don't think they would be accepting or anything like that. I just don't think it would have ever crossed my mind because I would have just thought, oh, like, it's not for me. It's more people that are playing um, rugby at our age, for example, like at 28 years old, they, they must be pretty good. And I'm really not that good. So when it came to like, oh, it's it's a, a gay and inclusive team, I was like, oh, actually, that you know would be quite fun, be a good way to meet new people, make new friends. And I think the more these clubs are sprouting up all up, up and down the country, the more you realise that there's such a need for them. And there's so many people that are, you know, getting back into sport that haven't played in absolute yet ages because they think, oh, it's not for me. It's not, you know, not something I can do. But then you realise actually there's so many more people out there that are just like you that want to play rugby that watch Drag Race, that are, you know, a bit camp, a bit feminine. And it's kind of that some of my best friends have come from the Spartans and it's something that I kind of want to promote as much as I can and kind of push people to, like, you know, give it a go. Like, you like rugby, you don't necessarily want to play with your local team instead of why don't you join an IGR team. And speaking of, like, other local teams as well, say, for example, you moved somewhere that might not have an IGR team, but it did have a local rugby team. From what you had as an experience growing up being in a rugby team and now your experience of the IGR and Manchester Village Spartans, would there be a feeling that you would might want to join that local team? Or do you think being part of the IGR, you would kind of only go with Yeah, I think IGR for me, if I were to move on. somewhere and they didn't have an IGR team and they just had a local team, I don't think I would join. I think I'd be like, okay, like it's time to, to like hang up the boots and stuff. I think for me, the most thing that I enjoy about the Spartans is the social aspect the play in the games, it's the whole, that brotherhood. And I just don't feel like I would get that necessarily from a local team that wasn't as inclusive. I know that, you know, a lot of teams say, well, we are inclusive and stuff. It's not, it's not just for like straight people, you know, we do accept everything, but I just feel I just wouldn't be as comfortable. I wouldn't be able to be my true self. No, I totally agree. And I think for myself, lots of people have asked whether I would happily play for other teams. And in the past with the Spartans, we have helped out other teams, whether they be uh, like non-IGR street teams. But it's never had, like you said, that camaraderie. It's ne you've yeah. never felt part of the team because those nightmares of when you were growing up and, and be, trying to find your sexuality and playing for a team that was predominantly straight, it kind of brings back those anxiety and, and that nervousness that died when um, I joined the Spartans and, and all the confidence came. So I totally understand where you're coming from. So the next part, um, 
not so much to do with Spartan, but people that might be following your social media and the Spartan social media recently, um, they might have seen some posts recently circulating because of your amazing sewing skills and helping the NHS. So would you like yeah, to I wouldn't necessarily say amazing skills? sewing skills, but there's, there's definitely a set of skills that I've got that I kind of felt would help situation. So my it was actually my parents that rang me up and you know they were just checking in like how's everything with lockdown covid blah 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 and they were saying oh there's this woman on the news that um is making scrubs for her local hospital and i was like oh that that that'd be quite fun i'll like kind of look into that a little bit more and the more i kind of researched i realized that there's a group it was called uh for the love of scrubs and hospitals were just crying out for all this ppe equipment they couldn't get it because of you know whatever reasons where you know they didn't have enough um equipment and so I kind of thought, well, you know, I'm on further. I'm a fashion designer. I've done sewing and stuff in uni. Why, why not kind of give this a go and see what happens? And I spoke to a couple of my teammates, the other touch captain. And I was like, you know, do you think this is something that people would kind of back? Is it something that you think I should do? And quite a few of my friends work for the NHS. And they all said, we've got no supplies. We have like one set of scrubs that has to last us. So they have to wash it every single time. And so I kind of thought, right, I'm going to do something to kind of help and I set up a GoFundMe page, shared it with uh, my teammates, put it on the uh, Spartan Instagram account, and it kind of just kept going and going. My initial target was to make maybe like 10 or 15 sets just to kind of give out locally. And it ended up raising over a thousand pounds. And so I've kind of got just uh, completely inundated with orders and like everyone's like, we need them in this, we need them in there. And so the more I kind of went with it, that was when I realized, okay, there's a lot more people that need these scrubs and I initially thought so I kind of got a bit of help from people at work that are also furloughed and just yeah everybody had like liked it and shared it posted it and so it kind of just got the ball rolling and then we I think ended up making around 47 sets in the end and yeah gave them gave some to other teammates for example we've got quite a few people that work for the NHS in the Spartan so it's nice to kind of make them myself and then to hand them to like Matt Brown for example I was like oh I've got a set for you Ben Dawson got a set for you. It's kind of, it's nice to know that I have to give to people in my team, but then also for the wider NHS community. And that's incredible. And with the uh, just giving, was that was the money there to get the equipment that you needed or was that a charitable fund? So we've got a really good NHS PR guy on the Spartans called Yosh and he reached out to Brother Sewing Machines and they kindly donated a, an overlocker machine, which basically means... That, uh, with the fabric when you cut it um, the, r- the raw edges won't fray necessarily so when you overlock that that saved me so much time and effort so a big shout out to them for the for the donation but the initial uh, I'd had like a sewing machine I've got everything that I kind of needed from uni and stuff and having to make my own things and projects so it was all for like fabrics and thread and stuff that I needed for the NHS so it has to be a certain type of um, poly cotton we need a certain um, strength of threads to make sure they don't snap and stuff so kind of everything went from the GoFundMe to the PPE, which was really good. That's brilliant. And from somebody that plays in the Spartans, I can really, like, I'm so proud of what you've done. It's been an amazing achievement for you. And I, I can't imagine how much help it's really helped for those key workers that are working in NHS. So on my behalf, a massive thank you, but I'm sure you've had all the uh, gratitude from social thank you very media. Much. So uh, congratulations on all that. Coming to the end of the interview now, um, there's two little bits that I like to do. The first one, like you said, you enjoyed watching RuPaul. Um, if you could go back to your younger self, knowing what you've been through so far, 
would there be any words of wisdom or anything that you might say to younger self to make you um, feel yeah there's confident? i mean there's loads i would tell myself but i think the main thing i would God, that's a tough question actually the main thing i would say would just to be just to keep going like the initial thing like thoughts that you have and like you know i wish i'd have told myself like right as soon as you finish school you're going to go to fashion college you'll do textiles and this and that but i put it off for maybe like three or four years and i just felt like if i'd have just done what i'd just like oh i think people would want me to do this or my parents would want me to do that so just to kind of like just stick to your guns and just go for it and do you think having that experience has changed the way that you see people that work in the NHS? Do you kind of uh, appreciate their work a lot more? Yeah, absolutely. I think that they have to go I was maybe like a, like a bit selfish before and I was just like, oh, you know, it's, it's their job. It's like, it's what they have to do. It's what they've trained for. It's kind of, you know, key workers and stuff. It's, but then the more you think about it, the more I kind of research, like, actually, these people are putting their life on the line, on the front line. They don't even have the right equipment. They don't even have like visors. They don't even have sets of scrubs. And I was like, this is going to work, putting my life at risk and I don't have the correct equipment. So I was like, right, okay, well, it kind of spurred on even more to be like, right, well, at least I can kind of help them and stuff. My skills may not be frontline worthy, but there are some aspects of that skills I can help towards them to help do their actual job. Fantastic. And finally, for those people that might be listening who might really want to get into rugby union or even uh, rugby touch, <laughs> but or touch rugby, said it the wrong way around. Um, if there was somebody that wasn't quite sure how to get into it, maybe they're not really aware of the IGR and the process or the O2 Touch app, what advice would so you just give us a, 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 um, to it? Sorry, let me start that one again. Um, just give us a message. Um, you can message us on Facebook, Instagram. Someone will always come back to you, and it's normally the relevant people that quite often I'll reply to the touch rugby ones and just say, you know, just come down, give it a go. You don't have to sign up. You don't have to do anything like that. Just show up, you know, like me, everybody else, everyone's in the same boat. You're bound to find somebody that's got similar interests. And, and it's just about literally just, I think the hardest step is getting there and giving it a go. And then after that, the rest will just come. You'll, you know, you'll pick it up, you'll meet friends and you'll want to come back. Well, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for on this podcast. But I just want to say a massive congratulations to Tom for all his hard work helping out the NHS. And hopefully those scrubs will really make a difference. And thank you, Tom, for giving up your time to share your story of coming out and really hoping that a lot of people listening will really take something from it. Now, for those of you who've been listening to a lot of the other podcasts, this is my time to really beg for everybody to vote for the British Podcast Awards Listener's Choice and choose Rock My Life Podcast. It has been an amazing journey and I'm so grateful for everybody who's voted so far. But there is literally about a week and a bit left until they close the votes. So please, please, please help me out by voting by going on www.britishpodcastawards.com forward slash vote, choosing Rock My Life Podcast from the drop down menu and then making sure you confirm your email address as well. Thank you so much. Enjoy the weekend and the sunshine while it lasts. And I will be back with you next week.